You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Hello, friends. Welcome to another Gravity Leadership Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Matt Tebby. I'm here. I'm joined here. I'm here. And I'm joined by Ben Sternke. Hello, I'm here. And Ben Hardman. I am here also, but I'm not really here with you. I'm in Atlanta, but I'm here. Right. Talking on the computer. We're talking. We're talking in a virtual world. I'm glad we got that cleared up. Yep. This is Jesus had Zoom in mind when he said, when two or three are gathered in my name, Mm -hmm. I'm there. He He knew this. Hey, so we have talked through some missional theology axioms over the last several months, and Mm -hmm. uh, these have been uh, things that we see Jesus assuming, presuming, about reality and about God, about other people, and our hypothesis is if we live as though these are true, it would radically change the church and our embodied witness, discipleship, formation, power, all that stuff. All the good stuff. So one of uh, the—we're hearing lots of feedback from people who listen. If you're listening, that'd be you. And we get great feedback, emails, uh, no phone calls yet. I'll hand out Ben's cell phone at the end of the call here, <laughs> or at the end of the uh, podcast here. But um, we did get an email from a friend who is ministering in Sweden, and I got her permission to share her email, because I think she asks a great question about how to live faithfully in a missional context. I'm going to read part of her email to us, because I think we need some context, and then I'd love to talk through how our axioms Uh, shed light or bring some wisdom into the situation. Uh, She is ministering in a town in Sweden to a uh, group of of refugees Hmm. who've come from the Middle East. Uh, And she says her congregation is predominantly very old people, some middle-aged people who come out of a sense of duty when they have a responsibility 
uh, although if they had weekly responsibilities, there would be a protest. So is these <laughs> is these like you know lo- lifelong churchgoers who come yeah. out of a sense of obligation, older people, and a bunch of refugees, some of which are converts, some aren't. She says she has she lives in a uh, uh, one of the Sweden towns has a largest population of this group of immigrants, uh, and so their church is known as the church for this particular kind of refugee. Hmm. Um, and so she says she has a young woman who's 24 and homeless uh, living with her. Um, also, her 15-year-old sister on the weekends sometimes comes and stays with them. And they're working with social services to find an apartment for her anyway. So she spends a lot of time with these two women. Uh, they do things on Sunday mornings together. They do Wednesday night Bible studies with these groups together. Um, and she says this. She says uh, when when she comes, this 24-year-old and she comes in looking like a ball of stress and worry. We go to the candle holder, light the Christ candle, and some smaller candles and pray. And gradually, I've discovered that when she and her sister um, were in Greece for five months on their way to Sweden, uh, she was taken care of by churches. And so she's heard about Jesus. She's hearing about Jesus at church, but they're not yet believers in God. So she says, my struggle is this. These girls and other refugees like them take so much of my time I struggle very much with feeling like it's not going anywhere. Hmm. In a country where regular church attendance is rare as hen's teeth. Have you heard that phrase before, rare as hen's teeth? Uh, I have, actually. I have not. Now that I think about it. Uh, Where church attendance is as rare as Jimmy being a sweet dog. (laughs) I feel like I spend too much time worrying about how these young people are learning what it means to follow Christ. I feel a temptation to press things. Mm. It's a temptation I haven't given into, and I hope I don't give into and, and do damage. But the reality is very harsh trying to get by here. Many of, the, many of the converts think that by being granted asylum is the key to their future, and I'm trying in every way that I can to teach them that Christ is the key to their future. But my congregation, for the most part, is not very helpful. They want the congregation to go on as it is, and they lack a vision for discipleship and for incorporating and reaching these refugees. That said, they very much love me and respect me. If you can think of something you would say to someone like me and find the time, I'm all ears. Let's call her Christy. This is a this oh, is Christy. Oh, the, the woman who wrote the email. Yeah. It's Christy. Yeah. So, you guys get that? Uh, Sternke, can you summarize the question? Yeah, so uh, she's got a she's got a church um, that where where she has begun to minister to uh, this refugee population. And um, there's a there's a there's a bit of a dichotomy between. So I, I hear the question on a couple levels. One is this takes a lot of her time and energy to to minister to these refugees. Uh, and the second question is like how how do I that like the the congregation filled with older people who come out of a sense of obligation and duty. Uh, they have a sense. Uh, that they they don't really like this new ministry uh, to the refugees. They want things to go on as they were. So I, I see the question on a couple levels there of like what like what do you do? How, how do you help the the traditional congregation? And then what do you do with the with the refugee population as well, who kind of come to the church wanting something, asylum perhaps, uh, and they think that maybe going to church will give them a better chance of getting asylum. Um, so yeah. So how do you talk about those? Those two things, or how do you, how do you, what's faithfulness look like? Yes. I hear her asking. Yep. Hardman, can you uh, answer this question in 30 seconds or less? <laughs> yes. Uh, this, then this podcast will be is, over. It will be good. It is as, 
as tricky as the hem of Garnsworth or whatever. What was the phrase? That she <laughs> rare, rare as hen's teeth. Rare as, yeah, not the hem rare of Garnsworth. As, rare as hen's teeth. The hem of Garnsworth sounds like something that uh, sounds like a relic from Lord of the Rings. No, it sounds like yeah, a yeah, something. It killed Iron Man actually. Is what happened. <laughs> the hem of Garnsworth. Remember that? Remember that Adam Scott's character on Parks and Rec, uh, Ben? It sounds like a game he invented. <laughs> the hems of Garnsworth. <laughs> hem of, yes. Oh, yeah. the, and the goal of the game is to obtain the hem of Garnsworth. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yes. So, well, I, this is, I mean, I think this is so applicable. It really is a great question for us because it's so applicable to so many different areas of ministry for us of discerning whether we're actually willing to engage in the slow work of the presence of God uh, without tangible results. Uh, that, yeah. so, so I got, I was on the phone yesterday with a kid the guys I've been working with for 13 years who just finished a court trial <laughs> where he, uh, didn't have to serve jail time and instead was able to go and do community service and some rehabilitation things and those types of things. And, and I, I feel the same with him. I feel like it's been 13 years of me pouring into this young man without any results, uh, without any tangible results. Yet he, I'm still the first person that he calls when these situations come up. Uh, and so hmm. the question is, we, we, we are in a culture that so desperately wants a tangible result and something that we can say, these are the five things that are happening. Um, and not everything is tangible. Not everything is something that we can um, read and say. It's not all um, on our score sheet. Uh, some of the things that are happening are things that are happening deep beneath the surface. Uh, some of the things that are happening are slow. Uh, some of the things that are happening are not kind of the the way that I would like things to result, right? I, I would have loved for this kid to have come to Christ 10 years ago. I would have loved to have baptized him. I would have loved to see his life being radically transformed. And yeah. what I see is him continuing to make poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. Uh, but what I see is this slow uh, discernment that's beginning to happen inside of him. So uh, I, I understand wrestling with the question of, is this worth it? Mm-hmm. And can love really radically transform over time? Mm. Um, I love I love Peterson's definition of of discipleship, which is long obedience in the same direction. Yeah, uh, and 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 it's not always pretty, and it's not always sexy, and it's not always tangible. Uh, a lot of times it's slow. A lot of times it feels like gardening instead of engineering. It's 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 ripping into the soil. It's getting blisters on your hands. Yeah, it's the hard work. Uh, yeah. but it's worth it in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hear you saying, Hardman, that, um, you know, there's a, we, we've talked a little bit about this, that the, there's a cruciform shape. There's a cross shape to our ministry, if we're going to really follow Jesus. Um, and I remember reading this in, um, I think it was uh, <laughs> Baltazar's book on prayer, uh, on contemplative prayer. But, um, but basically he said, you know, the, the end of Jesus' life, like all of those results that we tend to look for, like the resurrection kind of results that we that we want to look for, at the end of Jesus' earthly life, like it was basically a down, there was no up. It was a downward spiral to the cross uh, and then resurrection on the other side. And so he was saying like, there's, a, there's perhaps even a participation in Christ um, that some people uh, participate in there's that, that doesn't end in 
victory that ends in sort of obscurity or death in a way. <laughs> not to be uh, super, you know, not to be a downer on Great. this podcast. Christy, hope you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Hope that's encouraging. But, uh, right, so it, it's, uh, the encouraging part of it is that in your investment in love, um, that there is a participation in Christ. Um, in the not knowing, there is a participation in Christ Yeah, that happens. Okay, so just to summarize, Harmon, I hear what you're saying is, um, I think what you're in, what you're implying is we like outcomes that we can secure and manage and control. And yeah, we love everything to be quantifiable. Like I want to be able yeah. to say, I invested this. This is the return that I got, and I understand that. Yeah, right. But uh, that's something that we're learning about love: is that love doesn't guarantee control. In fact, absolutely. In fact, control suffocates and strangles the possibility of actually loving. Yeah. So if I if so for these with with these refugees and with these older people, if if I'm if I'm doing something to them so I can control their response, I can't do that and love them at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not about controlling what they're doing. It's about loving them as a uncontrolling posture that welcomes them into relationship with you and with God. So the first thing, yeah. first reason this start is because we want results. We want them now. We want our uh, whoppers and our converts uh, right away, our way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I hear what you're saying too, Ben, is that um, oftentimes, and Hardman, you said this too, oftentimes the results that we're after aren't the results that God is after. Mm. So like we have in our mind that like this person, this girl living with us and her sister will uh, just fall on their face and repent and and come to Jesus and then be casting out demons and, you know, proclaiming the gospel all through Sweden. But, uh, but, but we, we are simply planting seeds. Yeah. Right. We're not, we're not, uh, paper macheing trees. So we, we don't get it. You know, we don't, we're not constructing cart, fake plastic trees. Right. right? We're not, yeah. Constructing something that looks like, oh, that looks like life. Yeah. Yeah. From a distance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder too, guys, if you could say something as well about, I think this impulse that Christy's talking about in terms of um, want having two churches, basically. Yeah, right. Having right. having this older group of people that just want their church to be their church, and then discerning mission, so much so that the entire town they live in, they're known as the church for refugees, but the but the majority of people at the church, they they reject that label. I wonder if you guys could say something about two about having like basically two churches or a church within a church, and how you lead. Uh, in in the midst of that, hmm. yeah, I, I I think one of the biggest challenge in that is we get caught up in then negotiating what makes everybody happy, right? Uh, and and so what we become is we become like the mediator that sits in between the two groups of people. I, I find this happening in so many different contexts where we sit in the middle and all we're trying to do is placate and keep happy. Yes. Each side of the people on either side of the argument, which which honestly is not operating in grace and truth, and it's not loving well uh, for us to do that. It's just trying to keep everybody happy. Yes, and and so this management of everybody's happiness, I think, ultimately is one of the leading causes of burnout for pastors. Is mm. I'm just trying to manage everybody's happiness, keep everybody satisfied, keep everybody happy with me, with each other, with the different visions 
that are happening uh, rather than listening and discerning to where God is actually at work, joining him there, declaring the good news into that and, and, and speaking up loudly and clearly about where God has called them to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I hear you saying that boundaries are part of love. Like, I think you're right that there's so, there's so many leaders who haven't really thought through it, but they just assume that their job is to keep everybody happy, that that's leadership, is being in charge of other people's happiness, <laughs> um, which is what uh, Edwin Friedman calls a failure of nerve, um, which, uh, which, which that, that, uh, that's part of, part of when I heard that email, or when I, when I read that email, part of what I wanted to say was just that, that, that uh, Christy, your job here is not to placate uh, everyone involved, that in the, in the matrix of love, um, boundaries and like owning your own, uh, what we would call kairoses, owning your own kairoses is part of that. And so part of inviting these people, both the, the older congregation and the refugees, part of inviting them both into, um, uh, into love and, and ministering in love, part of that is, is inviting them to, uh, I guess setting setting certain boundaries, saying saying for example, I'm tired. I don't think I can do that tonight for you, um, and inviting because love is always a, about a mutuality. It's not about just me uh, bending over backwards trying to make you happy. It's about me owning the fact that I might be uh, offended or upset at what's happening right now. Uh, that I can do that as a leader and offer that as a kairos to say, will you? Will you help me with this? Yes. So one of the things that we train in at Gravity is helping leaders, helping everybody, uh, like own own their own perspective, and not take responsibility for other people's perspective. Right. Mm. And so that that means that I'm not responsible for your happiness. If you have a problem, like you can present your problem to me, and then we can discern it together. Right. Why, you know, why does it bother you that the refugees are here? Yeah. Right. Right. Not that I have to get rid of the refugees so that you'll stay. Or, yeah. or like, I, I keep the refugees and I tell you that you have to get with it or leave. Yeah. So this isn't about ultimatums, but it's about discernment, mm-hmm. right? Maybe maybe these refugees bother you because the Lord has something to reveal to us through what's bothering you. Or maybe, maybe uh, it's bothering you and that's the ground zero for repentance in your life. Right? Yeah, yeah. But if I take responsibility for what's bothering you and try to fix it, then we've completely lost the ability to discern the kingdom and for yeah. us to repent and believe and to become more like Jesus together. Yeah. Another way to say it is that I don't... Um, one of the practices we train in is when I see something or sense something or have a feeling or, or a reaction or a response to something, instead of assuming that I'm seeing things objectively and I need to get everybody else on board with my perspective, my assumption needs to become I'm actually seeing things subjectively. I'm seeing from a perspective, and the only way that we can discern is if I own my perspective as my perspective, instead of try to get you on board with it. That's crazy talk. I know. Because in order to do that, you have to have a community you trust. That's right. I can't own my perspective as mine unless I trust you, Ben. Yeah. That's, that's That's the super hard part about it, is that somebody has to go first and begin to risk the vulnerability of saying, do you want to be part of a community like this? Well, let's go. You didn't tell me love was hard. Can we back this up? I want to do the axioms again. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Okay, so so we have to have boundaries. We can't take responsibility for other people's happiness, and we have to be able to own 
together in community, like mm-hmm. this bothers me, or yeah. uh, you're you're upsetting me because you're not welcoming the stranger, the outcast, the foreigner, yeah. right. right? And and then and then discern it together. So yes. actually, part of the good news for Christy is that, and and for all of us who have churches like this, is that we don't have to solve the problem so that we can get on with being the church. <laughs> Right. But, but we discern the kingdom in the problem and thereby actually become the church. Right. 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 That's how we are the church is by dealing with those things. This is the so the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, uh oh I had a oh, the book of Philemon, <laughs> the book of First Corinthians. Like none of uh these letters are not books. These letters would not have been written if the conflict that Christie's facing in her church hadn't been going on in the churches that Paul was writing to. Yes. It was almost always about disunity. It was something that had come up that had created factions. Yeah, and two groups were fighting for yep. priority, privilege, position, uh, having it our way, right? Mm-hmm. We have the knowledge. Yeah. Or, you know, we're the chosen people. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is good, guys. I'm. This is making me think. Which is hard when you're trying to lead a podcast and you're thinking. I, I think uh, here's here's the here's another part of this. Christie's describing her ministry to these refugees and to her church. Uh, I didn't read this part of her email, but she has like a 50 minute commute on a ferry. I mean, it's Sweden. Mm-hmm. I just picture people in Sweden like taking ferries and yeah, wearing uh, lederhosen or something. Is lederhosen? Yeah. Oh, that's German. Never mind. Is that German? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what they wear in Sweden. <laughs> I think you just highly offended our Swedish. I probably listeners. did our Swedish contingent. Yeah, you know, eating Toblerone. Is that the chocolate? The yeah, long. I think that's Swedish. Sh- is that Swedish? I think we, let's just let's Fail. just move forward. <laughs> edit, edit this out. <laughs> so anyway, she she has a long fair ride every day, and um, I got the sense that like. You know, she's got a Wednesday night study and a Sunday morning study with these refugees, and they're living with her, and sometimes their sister's in town. And I can relate to being exhausted by ministry. Like, mission and ministering to other people completely draining and taxing me. I wonder if you guys could talk about what you've learned about um, shifting from trying, trying to minister to people and have a life to living a boundaried life on mission and and how that changes the way we uh, the way we see our relationships and see our responsibilities hmm. yeah there's a lot to say about that does that question make sense yeah it does make sense but uh, I'm just thinking because there's a lot to say about it I think um, one of the things I'd say is that one of the one of the things uh, my wife and I are learning uh, slowly uh, is that um, a lot of our exhaustion, not all of it, but a lot of our exhaustion in ministry comes from uh, the same kind of energy you were talking about, Hardman, where we're trying to make everybody happy. So if I have a group in my home, a missional community gathering or something like that, if I have a group in my home, some of my tiredness comes from the fact that I'm trying to, I'm trying to make everybody have a good time. You know, I'm trying to help everybody sort of feel included. And, produce an experience. Yeah, I'm trying to produce some experience. Now, there is some, you know, there's, there's energy that goes into hospitality. There, there's an there's a act of love where, whereby I invite somebody into a conversation and I try to notice what's happening, you know, in the whole party and, you know, that kind of thing. But there, there, there is a line you can cross into trying to make everybody happy or produce an experience so that everybody has a great time. So one of the things that we're learning is it's okay to invite people into our actual ordinary life. 
uh, and that there's power in that, even when we're not, you know, even I was on a call yesterday and one of my daughters, uh, <laughs> I was on a, like a video call and one of my daughters started yelling uh, to everybody in the house. I was there for that. Yeah, I remember you were. One of, one of my daughters started yelling to everyone in the house that, uh, that people should stop using her shaver because now she, you know, and so it was kind of this you know, I felt a little embarrassed <laughs> because because it was, uh, you know, it was like this moment of like, oh, here's what it's like sometimes in my house for real. Um, but anyway, one of the things we're learning is that, like, that's okay. We've got nothing to hide. Part of following Jesus is how do I, how do I help my daughter who's really angry right now, you know? Because that's what, everybody's dealing with that stuff. So anyway, so it's, it's been, it's helpful for me to realize, okay, we're going to invite people over, we're going to have dinner, but then like at eight o'clock or eight thirty, we're gonna start getting our kids ready for bed. I can just make space for people to understand that's what's happening right now. And maybe they should, you know, think about getting ready to leave. So there's perhaps. a sh- there's a shift then from having to create a ministry experience for people that you're ministering to. Yeah. Versus I have a real life mm-hmm. that has real rhythms and real relationships and you're invited to be a part of these things. Yes. And and I don't have to create something for you, right. but you're invited into what I'm going to already do anyway. Right. Yeah, that's the paradigm shift. Uh, and what you're already doing is probably what you want to do anyway. Right? You're doing you're doing the fun things of your life and yeah. you're inviting people into that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not a yeah. It's not a special thing that that I'm planning. Not a special event. Not a special event. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's a practice of my life that I invite people into. Yeah, I think there's so much good stuff to talk about just around integrated life. That's probably a, a whole separate topic and that we could spend a lot of time on. But I think for me, when when I get caught up in managing all the outcomes and managing all the results, I, I notice how exhausted that makes me. Um, I, I've got a friend who had a really significant kairos in his church a few years ago and stood up in front of his church and just confessed that he has been carrying the weight of everybody's spiritual formation in his entire congregation. Mm. And he just said, I can't do it anymore. I can't carry the weight of everybody in the church's spiritual formation. I can't dive every time somebody makes a bad decision or every time a marriage fails or every time a kid gets kicked out of school or every time, you know, every time something terrible happens in our congregation, I can't carry all that weight. I wasn't made to carry that weight. And so I'm giving it back to you and I'm giving it back to the father and I'm confessing this. And it was this beautiful moment of repentance for him in front of his church where he actually acknowledged that what I'm trying to do is love you, but what I'm actually do is killing myself in that process. And I'm not actually loving you. I'm just trying right. to get you to do what I want, the results that I want. I'm just <laughs> exactly. trying to get you. Like, it's all behavior modification stuff. Yeah. And so what I really want to do is love you in such a way that says, I am coming alongside of you. I will lay down all of my power that I have to empower you and give you the authority and lead you and love you the way that I want you to but I can't control what you do. Yeah. And so for it, it's, it's the same way with our, with our kids. It's, I mean, it's just such a parenting analogy in, in the Absolutely. midst of, that, of, of, I can't control what my kids do. I just have to come alongside of them and love them and empower them and pray that God brings about the fruit. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just walk beside them. And so we, we've spent a lot of time talking about that idea of I'm called to faithfulness. God brings the fruitfulness. 
And, yeah. and, and so what does faithfulness look like for me in love? And when I get really worn out and exhausted, guys, I really notice one, I've not taken control of my schedule. Uh, and, and I've just allowed other people to dictate my schedule, which typically means I'm negotiating everybody's happiness. Uh, and I'm trying to manage outcomes, uh, or two, uh, I've just gotten to a place where the outcomes didn't turn out the way that I wanted them to. And so I've, um, that's done something emotionally to me that's causing my fatigue and, and, and causing me to be worn out. Yeah. It reveals your attachment to those outcomes, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I've worked so hard and this didn't happen. I made a deal with you, God, and now, you know, where'd you go? Yeah. Yeah. Or I made a deal with you as my congregation. Right. Right. We have this contract. Yeah, that's a great story, Ben. Uh, like the the repentance... Like I could imagine if his only vision for what it means to be a leader is to is to do that, he might just think, I'm a bad leader, I'm not cut out for this. Yes. Like I can't do this anymore could become his resignation letter rather than his repentance statement. So it's beautiful yes. that it became repentance for him because he's calling him himself and the whole congregation into some a better way of relating. Yeah. So what I what I'm hearing you say is that he had made an he had made an idol of like his congregation and the way they thought of him and perceived of him. And he had to repent of the idol to actually love his congregation. And and so there so Ben going back to what you said earlier, there's a death that leads to resurrection. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a laying down your life for others that lead to resurrection. And there's a there's a death that leads to idolatry. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like yeah. where you're just this passive you're, victim that you're killing yourself w- to serve this thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I guess uh, to wrap up here, I, I want to encourage Christy. I um, the you know we've been ta- riffing on our actions without naming them. God cares about it more than you do, Christy. Right, right. Uh, he is present at work in this twenty-four-year-old and her sister that visits you. My my conversion is very much. Um, I, I went to church all growing up, heard more scripture than uh you know than many people who weren't in church. I think that's obvious, but many people who were in church, I probably heard more scripture. But it wasn't until college when I I began waiting tables at a sorority with other people. I was living as a pagan. I was um, not not identifying as a Christian. And uh, there were Christians who I waited tables with that every day at table connected with me, talked with me, listened to me. And I discerned there is a different way of living and relating happening with these people than the people I normally hang out with. And it's better. Yeah, they know how to live, and so uh, you know, my conversion was unto a way of life that that mm. Jesus embodied and empowers and and offers us as quote salvation. So, Christy, I guess my encouragement to you is uh, your life and the quality of that life with your family and with the leaders in your church, like that life lived in love, and then named and proclaimed in specific concrete invitations to these refugees is enough. Bearing witness to the presence of God, practicing practicing the way of Jesus together, however that looks in your context, and inviting other people in, that is scattering seeds, spreading seed, and letting, letting it fall on the soil that it is. Mm-hmm. God, you know, God dictates the soil, and you spread the seed. So, Amen. 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 Christy, uh, your story is our story. It's all of our stories. God bless you, sister. And God bless the rest of you who are dealing with much of the same kinds of things that Christy is. 
We love to hear from you. We love to hear your questions. We like to tackle more of these granular, concrete, contextual application questions. I think the more specific we get, uh, the more we can work up from there out to generalizations in, in a lot yeah. more healthy way, a yes, lot better absolutely. way. Absolutely. So send us, yeah, send us your emails or questions at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Uh, and maybe you'll make it onto a podcast. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, yeah. All right. That's Peace. it. That's it. Peace. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you found it helpful, please let us know by leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future episode. And join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles that we found interesting or helpful in our work as local pastors and practitioners of discipleship and mission. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.